0: This is the Center for Strategic and International Studies Smart Women Smart Power podcast. Welcome to the Smart Women, Smart Power podcast. I'm Beverly Kirk here at CSIS in Washington. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. You can find me at Beverly Kirk, and our Smart Women, Smart Power handle is at Smart Women. The 2018 Winter Olympics in South Korea are taking place against a backdrop of high tensions between the United States and North Korea and Pyongyang's recent diplomatic overtures towards Seoul. Joining me with more is Dr. Sue Mi Terry, Senior Fellow with the Korea Chair here at CSIS. And Sue, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on. So, there were some South Korean and North Korean athletes. They trained together before the Olympics began. The countries agreed to march under a unified flag during the opening ceremonies and have a combined North and South Korean women's ice hockey team compete in the games. Can you talk a bit about what's going on here and is this a real diplomatic effort to change the relationship
1: between the countries? Well, it depends on whether you ask North Koreans or the South Koreans. Um, of course, from the South Korean perspective, the Moon Jae-in administration, administration would very much like this to be a real diplomatic breakthrough with the North. They want to be able to take this current thought in into korea relations and make a progress on the nuclear and missile front, and at least get Washington or Pyongyang um, to, to dialogue and negotiation. But of course, for North Korea, their goals are different, um, and I think there are several goals for them. First, I think it's an opportunity that they see. as as a way to drive a wedge between the U.S. and South Korea to create a fissure in the alliance. I think the North Koreans think the South Koreans, probably wrongly, but they see South Korea as the weakest link in this maximum pressure policy uh, being applied to North Korea and would like Uh, South Koreans to either relax sanctions or at least try to get Washington Washington to alleviate this current pressure being applied to North Korea. And of course, their second goal is to sort of change this current narrative of North Korea being the ultimate outlier, this evil, barbaric regime that, that they think the U.S. is trying to portray them as such. So they want to have this image makeover on the world stage with this very carefully vetted, uh, hand-picked cheerleaders, uh, uh, hundreds of them coming, and so on. And I think, lastly, they see they see this as a, some sort of an insurance against future provocations and possibly U.S.'s response to those provocations.
0: Do you think it's going to work in the way that North Korea intends? Or uh, I know that the Trump administration has put forth the message that we see through this don't be fooled by the propaganda in the words of some from the administration
1: Right. From the Trump administration, we we see exactly what North Korea is trying to do. Um, And and you saw, you know, President's State of Union address where a lot of focus was on depravity of the Kim Jong-un regime, on human rights issue, inviting the North Korean defector to come and the family of Otto Warmbier. And you also see that Vice President Pence has invited Otto Warmbier's father to attend the Olympics and so on. So I think the U.S. is trying to counter this North Korea's propaganda effort, or, and, and so North Korea's effort to counter, no, so there's a lot of this sort of counter messaging going back and forth. So I think from the U.S.'s perspective, um, they're trying to say, hey, we're not fooled here. We, we see exactly what you're trying to do.
0: And yet Vice President Pence has said that if there was an occasion for a meeting with North Korean officials, he'd be open
1: to that. What do you make of it? Well, sure. Um, North Korea is sending as head of delegation, uh, Kim Jong-nam, who is the president, so-called president of North Korea, although, of course, he's not the real ruler. Um, So there is an opportunity. But it's really up to North Korea. If North Korea uh, wants to meet with with Vice President Pence and Perhaps they could, but I don't think um, the vice president is asking for such a meeting. And I think he has made it clear that if he does sit down with the North Koreans or anybody, that our message, Washington's message, will be same, which is that North Korea has to be willing to talk about denuclearization and giving up their nuclear program. You mentioned Kim Young-nam
0: being the leader of the North Korean delegation uh, to the Olympics. Is there significance in
1: the fact that he's the person who was sent? I think so. It, it does mean that North Koreans want to elevate this into sort of like higher level. Kim Jong-nam is... Still, his title is the president of North Korea. So they could have sent somebody at lower rank, uh, but they didn't. So they are trying to sort of elevate this uh, Olympic outreach to something else. And we'll just have to see whether North Koreans would be willing to sit down uh, with the United States and US delegation headed by Vice President Pence.
0: And you mentioned the the North Korean delegation that's rather large. And the overtures to have the marching under the unified flag. uh, How much of this is also an effort on the part of South Korea to try to keep the North Koreans from behaving badly or doing some type of provocation during the Olympics, thinking that if they're
1: participating, they have less incentive to try to disrupt this is absolutely South Korea's number one priority right now. They do want to have successful, smooth Olympics without any provocations or missile tests or nuclear tests or any kind of crisis on the Korean Peninsula. So that I do think that was their number one reason why they even invited North Koreans to participate because South Koreans' thinking is, as long as North Korea is actively participating in the Olympics, uh, at least during this period, there should be no more provocations like missile tests and nuclear tests and so on.
0: And... It's not actually the first time the Koreas have marched under the unified flag under a, a, during an mm-hmm. Olympics. They did in Sydney in 2000, which I had a different job in 2000 and I was actually covering the Olympics in Sydney, so I remember that well. Um, And they did so in Athens Mm -hmm. in 2004 and Turin in 2006. So this really isn't that uncommon, right?
1: No, it's not uncommon. Um, As you just mentioned, they've already marched together three times. So you have to also remember, um, and since then, since 2006, uh, North Korea uh, all in all tested six nuclear weapons, uh, including a hydrogen bomb test. uh, uh, and uh, that was obviously much more powerful than the one that was dropped on Hiroshima. They, they did three intercontinental ballistic missile tests, uh, dozens and dozens of missile tests. So again, um, yes, they, this is not unusual that they march together, but that also does not mean that there is a progress being made on a nuclear missile front. All of their nuclear missile tests came after the marching of, of the North Koreans and South Korean uh, Olympians.
0: So there are some who are hoping that uh, since the U.S. and South Korea agreed to uh, uh, put a freeze, a a freeze in air quotes, on their military exercises that they normally do uh, until the Olympics are over, there are some who hope that that will be extended permanently and perhaps in exchange, North Korea will stop uh, its missile testing. Do you think that's realistic? I can't imagine the Trump administration agreeing (laughs) To, to freeze those uh, military exercises? No,
1: I think from US's perspective, the freeze for freeze does not make any sense for us. Um, also, what we are asking North Koreans to do is their their, their tests are in violation of United Nations Security Council resolution. Our, our Joint exercises are all about readiness, um, and so the exercises are needed. Um, U.S. soldiers often serve about nine months when they're in South Korea, um, and South Koreans serve soldiers serve about two years at a time. North Korean soldiers are serving like ten years <laughs> each time. So we need this is a readiness issue um, against North Korea's threats and provocations. So I do not see the Trump administration agreeing to a freeze for freeze. I maybe will scale down. joint exercises, but it's not going to be, uh, I think, just complete moment of the joint exercises.
0: And what's been the response in the wider region to uh, not only the the freeze, at least through the Olympics, but also the charm offensive and the diplomatic overtures? How are other countries in the region responding?
1: I think it depends on which country. I think China, Russia, and obviously are relieved. Um, At least this is lessening of tensions. We were just continually escalating tensions uh, throughout 2017. So I think people welcome this current thaw. I do think the United States and Japan um, are also key ally in the region are more skeptical of, of the North Korean intention. So while they they're, you know, welcoming this current thaw, they don't see it as, you know, that leading to anything dramatic in terms of making a progress in the nuclear missile front. So I think there's much more skepticism from let's say the United States and Japan. <laughs>
0: Um, what's the reaction amongst the South Korean populace to uh, the the unity and everything else that's being done right now? Is, is there support for President Moon and, and his efforts to engage?
1: Yes, I think actually the South Korean public's reaction to this whole Olympic um, thing was inter- is very interesting to me because broadly speaking, uh, the South Korean public does favor engagement and dialogue. Um, but we've seen... Uh, uh, sort of domestic backlash Against the Moon Jae-in administration, really? not only coming from the conservatives, but from the younger generation who didn't really like this idea of North Korea hijacking the Olympics. They didn't. They really didn't like this kind. Um, the joint female hockey team. They thought this was very unfair. Why do South Korean, you know, athletes have to work so hard? And some of these hockey players cannot participate because we have to now allow these North Korean hockey players to participate. So that, they thought this was a unfairness. Uh, this was unfair. This was a. Uh, had to do with fairness issue so president moon's popularity dropped by some eight percentage points over this whole thing so it's it's a complicated issue the public broadly supports engagement yet um i think the moon administration has to be careful not to make overly dramatic unilateral concessions to north korea i don't think there's an appetite for that
0: uh I want to remind our listeners that you are listening to the Smart Women, Smart Power podcast. I'm Beverly Kirk, and my guest is Dr. Sumi Terry. She's a senior fellow here in the Korea chair at CSIS. And we're, of course, talking about the Olympics and Korea politics. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Smart Women. You can follow Sue at Sumi Terry. And let me spell that for you. S-U-E-M-I-T-E-R-R-Y. You are very active on Twitter.
1: Well, uh, not overly active but, <laughs> but I do have a Twitter uh, account, and I try to tweet as, as much as I can. As much as you yeah. can. Um,
0: I do want to ask about what you think um, this, this whole Olympic effort will do in terms of applying pressure on Kim Jong-un in North Korea to continue after the Games are over, or do you think there will be any pressure on him at all to change his behavior after the Games are over?
1: Yes, I think this maximum pressure policy will continue. I think the sanctions effort will continue. Um, that was very clear by President Trump in his State of Union address. It was very clear when he invited eight defectors uh, to the Oval Office that week, um, the same week that he gave the State of the Union address. Um, it's also clear by President Pence traveling with Otto Warmbier's father. So clearly, we are all about maximum pressure, applying this pressure on on the North Korean regime. And I don't think we are going to um, take a break from doing that.
0: And do you think anything changes, or do you go back to the provocations and the missile tests and all of everything that happened before the Olympics? Do you think that okay, there's this pause for the month of February, and after that's over,
1: it's it's back to yeah back to your corner, so to speak. I think the ball really is uh, on Kim Jong-un's court. And it's interesting to see what would happen. On one hand, I think Kim Jong-un could not test. Um, over the summer, even Even if joint military exercises resume. North Koreans have said now that they have completed their program. uh, In their New Year's address, they've said they've completed completed their program. I think Kim Jong-un is also quite nervous about this talk coming out of Washington of limited military strike, bloody nose, and so on. So what North Koreans could do is take a pause from testing. Now, that does not mean North Korea is not going to continue in terms of improving and working on the nuclear program. that could take us until maybe the fall of this year where there are some significant dates coming up in september and october um so it will, it, i think it remains to be seen when north korea will resume the provocations once the joint exercises resume late march early april or will they take a pause um, while they improve on their capability and
0: what do you foresee with south korea do you foresee president moon making
1: an attempt to continue the diplomatic efforts that have been started I think the Moon administration will definitely try to do that. The problem is, unless they make concessions, which North Korea will demand, North Koreans will demand uh, sanctions relief. They might demand the reopening of the Kaesong industrial complex. Uh, they will demand that we postpone the joint military exercises indefinitely or cancel them completely. So, if the Moon administration is not going to make those concessions, uh, then it's well, where are we going to be? Uh, then the North Koreans will get upset and frustrated. So we'll be back to uh, where we were uh, in terms of this kind of diplomatic effort just falling apart. All right. Well, this is a fascinating conversation
0: that I'm sure we will continue over um, the next months. And I'm sure this is a conversation that is to be continued, and it will be very interesting to watch uh, as the games unfold to see what the political for lack of a better term, dance steps are between each of these governments, uh, South Korea, North Korea, and the
1: U.S. Yes, absolutely right. But uh, let's just now hope for uh, successful Olympics. South Koreans have worked really, really hard to uh, put this Olympics together. Um, So let's just hope for uh, at least successful Olympics for now. Um, Let's welcome the thawing of tension for now, and then we'll just resume (laughs) and see what happens uh, when the Olympics and Paralympics are over. Dr. Sumi Terry, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for
0: having me on. And thank you for joining us. Remember to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Beverly Kirk. We're at Smart Women. And follow Dr. Sumi Terry at Sumi Terry. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening. For more information, go to CSIS.org and subscribe to our podcasts.